Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Fans of the 48 Hours podcast know that a good lead is always worth checking out. And if you're a listener who enjoys from the car, you'll want to know that the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, the new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain or wherever your story takes you. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. In search of more mysteries to listen to, get an Audible membership. They've got the best selection of audio titles from every genre, including true crime, celebrity memoirs, business, and so much more. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. I recommend The Art Thief by Michael Finkel. I love a good heist story. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash 48 hours. Real people. Real crimes. Real life drama. What's your address, emergency? Hello, my name is Harold Hithorn. I'm in the Rocky Mountain National Park. My wife has fallen from a rock on the north summit of Deer Mountain. And I have a series of texts from my brother-in-law, Harold Henthorne, regarding my sister, Tony Henthorne. It says, Barry, urgent. Tony is injured. Fall from rock. She has been in a critical accident. Falls off of a ledge 140 feet. And she does die there on the mountain that night. Being the big brother and supposed to take care of your sister, you can't do it. It's a bad feeling. I need to be there for my sister. And I couldn't. Tony Henthorne died in Rocky Mountain National Park in 2012 in a fall. It's not that unusual at all that people die in falls in the Rocky Mountains. I'm now at 9,354 feet and counting. Take a look at this. Talk about rugged terrain. This is crazy. Since we first brought you this story, new evidence, some right here on the mountain. And that's just the beginning. What's unusual is that in this case, it happened with a guy whose first wife died in such a freak accident 17 years earlier. Her name is Lynn Hanthorne. A close-up. I thought Harold was a great guy. 
very charming. I thought, this is good. My sister needs a good man like this. Lynn and Harold, they'd been on a drive late at night. They had stopped to fix a soft tire, not even a flat tire. And what were you told? How had your sister died? That she'd been crushed under a car, changing a tire. We all were shocked at the bizarreness, but the police ruled it an accident. There are so many similarities in these two deaths. Both occurred in very remote locations in Colorado. In both cases, Harold Henthorne is the only witness. This is either the unluckiest guy in the world whose two wives have died under freakish, unusual circumstances, or it could be murder. I'm Peter Van Sant. Tonight on 48 Hours, The Accidental Husband. Nature is a dangerous place. On Monsters Inside Me, the podcast, listen to the life or death experiences of people who have survived animal attacks, natural disasters, and deadly parasites alike. Featuring audio from Discovery Channel, Science Channel, and Animal Planet, from hit shows like This Came Out of Me, Nature's Deadliest, Still Alive, and I Was Prey. Listen to Monsters Inside Me wherever you get your podcasts. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocky Mountain National Park is a place known for its soaring beauty, majestic wildlife, and inspiring serenity. But in September of 2012, it was a site of heartbreak. We've hiked up to the 10,000-foot level in the Rocky Mountain National Park to a place where either a tragic accident occurred or did Harold Henthorne push his wife to her death? The story of how love might have gone murderously wrong begins with a joyful time. I was extraordinarily happy for my sister. It appeared that she found her true love, and if she was happy, I was happy. Tony, a sophisticated Southern belle, met Harold in 1999. 
Tony's brother, Barry, was pleased his 37-year-old sister had found the kind of man she was looking for. She experimented with Christian matchmakers, and she met this guy named Harold Henthorne. Her comments were that he was very kind, he was very romantic, he was very smart. Both had lost their first spouse under dramatically different circumstances. Tony's marriage had ended in divorce, while Harold's first wife died in a tragic incident. What did you know about Harold's first wife, Lynn? When we had asked Harold about that, the only response that we had was that she died in a car accident. Barry's wife, Paula, not wanting to upset Harold, didn't want to pry. I thought it was just a bad car wreck and she died. Also, we you know, didn't want to ask him to elaborate. We just took it for face value. He seemed like a good match for Tony. Tony's parents, Bob and Yvonne, had a good feeling when they first met Harold. He said, I was just smitten by Tony. It was easy to be taken with Tony. She was attractive and successful, a prominent eye doctor and surgeon in Jackson, Mississippi. That looks very pretty on you. Nice job. Oh, thank you. Mostly, though, Tony was known for her caring nature. She loved people, and if she could make somebody feel better, she would. And this started early in her life. The middle child with two brothers Tony was a standout in school. Did you compete academically? Oh, yeah, and she smoked me. <laughs> she did. She's probably the smartest lady I've ever met. No small praise coming from Barry, himself a prominent cardiologist. And Harold seemed accomplished as well. Really nice. Describing himself as a fundraising consultant with his own company. I work with nonprofits, whether it be churches, schools, or hospitals. I thought that was an interesting but an odd business in, at that time, too. A year after meeting, the couple got married in Mississippi. They soon moved to the Denver, Colorado area, where Harold previously lived and said he had business contacts. Tony joined a local ophthalmology practice. But Tony's strong family ties. There's Tony and Harold. Would often bring the loving couple. It's always good to come back home. Back to Mississippi for holidays. It's an exciting year. We love you all. And we want you to come out and visit in Denver. One thing was missing from their life, a child. And in 2005, Tony and Harold celebrated the birth of their daughter, Haley. I have daddy and mommy trained very well. He had his daughter. He had his wife. He had his nice life. Daniel Jarvis was a longtime family friend of Harold's. He seemed like a good husband. It seemed like he provided. He's a very good father. When Daniel decided to move to Colorado, Harold and Tony let him stay with them for several months. And what was it like inside the Henthorne household? Tony went to work in the, you know, most mornings. Harold he worked down in his basement. He would say that he was meeting with a client going to lunch or he was traveling. Christmas newsletters painted a picture of a happy family with successful careers for both Tony and Harold. But in 2006, their lives took a terrifying turn. While Barry was demonstrating his new CAT scan machine, he discovered that Harold's arteries were dangerously clogged. Harold is in the throes of the beginnings of a heart attack. 
Harold was rushed into surgery. Do you believe that you saved Harold's life? I know that I did, and Harold would confirm that. Tony had her own brush with death in 2011. She was injured in an unusual accident at their mountain cabin when a heavy wooden beam fell on her. She said, I saw something on the floor, and if I had not picked it up, it would have killed me instantly. But it hit the back of my neck and fractured a vertebra. And with that, she did lose some sensation in her hands. When I would call Harold, it was like, oh, it's no big deal. I didn't learn about this until much later. And I said, why didn't somebody call me? And she said, Harold didn't call you? And I said, no. By this time, Tony's family says Harold had become a demanding and controlling husband. Even talking with Tony on the phone seemed impossible. Harold would always answer. See, he had the house phone hooked to his cell phone. The only one-on-one -on -one conversation I ever had was with Harold. If I tried to talk to Tony or a Haley, it was always on speakerphone. Why do you think he did this? I think that he likes to control everything. That was also the impression of workers in Tony's eye practice. Christy Drews noticed Harold wanted to be involved in everything. When our doctors would have meetings, Harold had to be part of it. He had to know everything she was doing. While the staff adored Tony, office manager Tammy Abruscato says their feelings for Harold were quite different. He made us uncomfortable. He was kind of... Um, Kind of, there was something creepy about him. She was not able to schedule anything outside of her normal schedule without first consulting with Harold. So it was a pleasant surprise when in September of 2012, Harold asked Tammy to help plan a 12th wedding anniversary surprise trip to Rocky Mountain National Park. She gladly obliged, secretly clearing Tony's schedule so she could leave early. The guy was creepy to me, but she was married to him, and if he was going to do something nice, it was kind of exciting. You know, maybe for just a moment I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. Maybe he's not so bad. The entire office got involved. Christy took out her cell phone to record the surprise. Hi. It's the last image. It's the last time anybody who was close to her saw her alive. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
On September 29th, 2012, on a beautiful day like this, Harold and Tony set out on this trail in the Rocky Mountain National Park on their anniversary hike. About two miles up, Harold led them off trail into rough terrain. She had bad knees, so she was not a well person to go hiking, particularly in a rugged terrain. These photos were taken on that anniversary hike, a hike that went terribly wrong, as Barry learned through those text messages from Harold. It says, Barry, urgent. Tony is injured, critical, requested flight for life. And then he texts me back saying that she's gone. Tony had fallen nearly 140 feet to her death. Barry had to break the news to his parents that his 50-year-old sister had died. And Barry said, she's gone. It's the worst two words I've ever heard in my life. It was like, no, this didn't happen. And for Tony's family, what happened here wasn't adding up. From Tony with her bad knees taking a strenuous hike, to Harold texting Barry during the accident, to the multiple explanations Harold gave about how Tony died. The story is, is that he notices that she was lagging behind and he can't find her, so he starts looking over edges and, and then he sees that she's down at the bottom. Then, says Barry, that story quickly changed. And he tells me then that he got a text message. And so he has his head down looking at that phone text and he sees that there's a, like a little flash. And then Tony's not there. And does that story change? That story changes by the next day. Tony now is taking a picture of Harold. And Tony has presumably, while setting up a shot of him, fallen backwards off of a cliff. And so here are three stories in okay, basically nice. less than 48 hours. And what are you thinking? Warning buzzers are going off. What about the notion that maybe he was suffering post-traumatic stress and those crazy versions of stories was all a result of shock? I think that you gotta take all of that in context. If he does have this rational, emotional behavior, how does he have it together so well to plan her funeral? Not even 48 hours after his wife has died, he's got a video made, he's got the songs picked out, he's already contacted the people that are gonna sing the songs. It's too well planned. I can only imagine. Five days after Tony's death, hundreds gathered at a memorial service. Our purpose today is to honor and to remember Tony Hinthorne. By then, Harold had already cremated Tony, a decision which added to the list of red flags for the Bertolais. We did not want Tony cremated. And uh, Harold insisted we wanted to bring her home and bury her. I think he was trying to hide evidence. I think that Harold Henthorne pushed my sister off the mountain. Here you are, grieving her 
death, which you now believe may have been a murder. And if that's the case, the murderer is sitting right next to you, yes. right? Correct. Law enforcement, as it does with all deadly falls, was immediately investigating and discovered something that raised suspicions. They found this map inside Harold's Jeep with a hand-drawn X on the spot where Tony fell. After the service, he came up to me, and his first thing was, they found a map. They found a map. He didn't come up and give you a hug and say, what a tragedy, I'm so glad you're here. No. The first words out of his mouth is, they found a map? Yeah. Did you have any idea what he was talking about? No clue. No idea. But a few weeks later, Harold brought it up again, explaining to Daniel the map was meant for him to highlight a nice trail. Harold also told Daniel he could never hurt Tony. He's saying, you lived with us. You know that there was nothing wrong in our marriage. You know that I could never do this. And what did you say? I said, yes, I agree. I don't believe you could ever do this. The Harold that you knew, is he capable of murder? Not the Harold I knew. I knew he did it. Coworkers and close friends kind of privately were talking and saying, you know, I, I really feel bad to say this, but I think that Harold did this. In fact, many tips were coming into law enforcement. 16 calls and letters, all requesting Tony's death be further investigated, with fingers pointing at Harold. And then there was a tip received by Brian Moss, Denver's CBS4 investigative reporter and 48 Hours consultant. It changed everything. And it just said his first wife died in a freak accident as well. So it was right up about up here. Brian began investigating both deaths and was shocked by what he found. In both cases, the accidents are freakish or bizarre, extremely unusual. He tells lots of different stories. Both wives had a lot of insurance money on them. He was the one who was going to benefit from that. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Tony, you say something. Tony Henthorne had a lot of friends. She had a lot of people who loved her and right from the start wanted to see justice. They didn't feel good about what happened. With questions being raised about how Tony Henthorne fell to her death in Rocky Mountain National Park, 
Investigators seen here were retracing her last steps, now focusing on the only witness, her husband, Harold. Remember, his first wife, Lynn, had also died in unusual circumstances in 1995, crushed under their Jeep. She was a great woman. She was awesome in heart and soul. <laughs> it's so hard to convey the beauty of anyone's spirit. But Lynn was... Truly. She was the real thing. Lynn's siblings, Kevin, Lisan, and Eric, were delighted when their loving sister, a social worker, found Harold to share her life with. He was charming. He was a... A fun guy to be around. She adored him. Grace Rochelle, Lynn's sister-in-law, remembers how happy Lynn seemed during her 12-year marriage to Harold. She looked at him with very loving, adoring eyes. It was a feeling Grace could understand. He began to be like this wonderful big brother to me. Did you say a loving personality? Oh, incredibly. There are a lot of times as my family began to grow of watching Harold relate to my girls and how engaging he was with them. He and Lynn never forgot a birthday, Christmas. You just, you couldn't ask for, you know, more loving family. But on May 6th, 1995, tragedy struck. We got a call from a paramedic letting us know that there had been an accident. And she was gone, and it just, it was horrible pain. It was horrible. Like, we all came as quick as we could to be there and to comfort Harold. And what did you know about the circumstances of Lynn's death? What were you told? <laughs> it was just a freak accident. Harold told law enforcement he and Lynn had gone out for dinner and a drive in this remote area called Sedalia. While driving, Harold thought he was getting a flat tire. He pulled off the highway here, onto the shoulder you see right behind me, in the dark, to change the tire. Lynn, he said, was helping out, holding the tire's lug nuts as he removed them. Harold says she dropped one and it went under the vehicle. And at the same time that Lynn went under to retrieve it, Harold says he threw the flat tire in the back, knocking the Jeep off of its jack and onto Lynn. The Lynn that you knew so well, was she the kind of woman who would crawl under a car? Was that her nature? No, no, it wasn't at all. That's why it, it did seem odd. Lynn's siblings also thought the accident bizarre, but they too couldn't imagine Harold was involved. This was a man that we vacationed with and spent hundreds of hours with, and um, we just didn't allow ourselves to go there. The Douglas County Sheriff's Department responded to the accident and started investigating. And just like in Tony Hanthorne's case, 17 years later, Harold told a number of conflicting stories. 
Reports say Harold told one deputy they were driving back from dinner, told another they were going to dinner. According to one report, Harold said Lynn called out his name after the Jeep fell on her. But he told another investigator that Lynn said, I think something's on me. Harold told one deputy he pulled Lynn out from underneath that Jeep. He later said that people who stopped to help pulled her out. The sheriff's office investigated Lynn's death for six days, then closed the case, calling it an accident, as did the coroner at the time. In the following years, investigators say Harold continued telling various versions of what happened the day Lynn died. One bewildering contradiction after another. The CPR people or the people, do, the EMTs didn't know what they were doing and they actually crushed her. That um, she was killed in an automobile accident, a head-on automobile accident. Not under the car. No. No. There were lots of conflicts. Laura Thomas became the Douglas County coroner in 2011, 16 years after Lynn's death. A Colorado state trooper for decades, she hadn't known about Lynn's accident until she heard about Tony's tragic fall and learned both women had been married to the same man. And you hear this story, what are you thinking? Well, I'm thinking that I need to go into investigator mode. There were lots of things in this story that don't make any sense to me at all. If Lynn Henthorne's accident had been properly investigated, could Tony Henthorne be alive today? You know, Peter, you ask a question that I have asked myself for over two years. To all my foot, back, and knee pain sufferers, this one's for you. Check out G-Defy, a modern footwear company on a mission to relieve knee, back, and foot pain. Every pair comes with two free custom orthotics to align your body perfectly. And their patented VersoShock trampoline technology in the heel absorbs harmful shocks and provides positive, renewed energy empowering you to tackle your day. Don't just take my word for it. Read the countless customer reviews raving about the pain relief and amazing comfort they have experienced with G-Defy shoes. Experience pain-free living for yourself and visit gdefy.com, that's G-D-E-F-Y.com, and use code PODCAST30 to receive $30 off your order of $100 or more. Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset, Cinderella, Bracket Buster Sleeper. We've got it all covered, every round, reaction shows, all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So if I let the air out. What really happened in 1995, the night Lynn Henthorne, Harold's first wife, was crushed under their Jeep? We asked Arnold Wheat, a nationally recognized accident reconstruction specialist, 
to review Lynn's case. That's right, uh, 15 to 16 pounds right there. Using a similar make and model as the Henthorns Jeep Cherokee, Wheat, a 48 hours consultant, deflated the tire to the pressure that Harold claimed forced him to pull over on that remote, darkened highway. This doesn't look flat. No. Is this undrivable in your opinion? No. In most people's mind, a flat tire is flat with the rim on the ground. I've driven on a rim. This is anywhere close to being on the rim. No, it's not. Then there's an unusual kind of jack that Wheat thinks was similar to this that Harold in one report told investigators he used to change the tire. Is this a bit precarious to be putting up a 4,000-pound Jeep Cherokee? Absolutely. Harold told investigators he had to use an unconventional jack because the one that came with the Jeep didn't work, a claim Wheat finds suspicious. How often have you heard a jack like this failing? Never. 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 What's worse, says coroner Laura Thomas, is it seems investigators just took Harold's word that the jack was defective. There's no indication that the sheriff's department tested that jack. They never tested it? Not in the information that I've read. Another issue, one of the tire's lug nuts. This is a lug nut, it has flat surfaces. Harold says Lynn dropped a lug nut that somehow rolled all the way under the Jeep, causing Lynn to go retrieve it. They're on a gravel surface. Lug nuts don't move very far when you drop them on a gravel surface. How that lug nut got underneath there just doesn't make sense. That certainly is suspicious to me. Do you believe, as you sit across from me right now, that Harold Henthorne has gotten away with murder in Lynn's case? I think there's a very good chance that he has. In December 2014, shortly before her term as coroner ended, Laura's suspicions led her to make a dramatic decision. I don't believe that Lynn Henthorne got justice. She changed the manner of death in Lynn Henthorne's case from accident to undetermined. The Douglas County Sheriff's Department also reopened Lynn's case, but has not charged Harold Henthorne with any crime. You say something into the camera. Um, he <laughs> Meanwhile, federal investigators looking into the 2012 fatal fall of Harold's second wife, Tony, were zeroing in on him. They interviewed Daniel Jarvis, the friend who briefly lived in the Henthorne house. She asked me what Harold had told me about his job, and I gave her the details of, he said he was a fundraising consultant for nonprofits. The investigator listened to Daniel's story and then presented some jaw-dropping news. She said, let me go ahead and tell you something. Harold has not worked in 20 years. And it's kind of like a bomb exploded. Federal investigators have come out and proven he had no income at all. 
that he wasn't raising any money, but he was telling everybody that he was this incredibly successful entrepreneur and businessman who was raising all this money for various organizations. Harold reportedly told others that Tony knew he wasn't working, a claim Tony's family says is untrue, as Harold controlled the finances. Law enforcement also thinks the time when Tony was accidentally struck in the head at the family's cabin may have actually been the first time Harold tried to kill her. Everyone wanted answers from Harold. Is Mr. Henthorn here? Is he here? And he wasn't talking. Is there a time when we could get together with you? I want to give you another opportunity to explain what's going on. I just want to give you a chance to... my attorney. I really don't appreciate being my property like this. Federal authorities do not believe that Harold Henthorne is any kind of a hard luck husband who's just the victim of circumstance. They think he is a killer. A killer, they believe, with a motive and a bizarre business model collecting life insurance proceeds worth millions, nearly $645,000 on Lynn and potentially millions on Tony. Do authorities believe that Harold had basically started up a cottage industry here, marry someone, get life insurance, and off the wife? They've connected the dots that way. Grace Rochelle, Harold's ex-sister-in-law, thinks she could have been part of that industry, something she learned when the FBI told her about a secret $400,000 life insurance policy Harold had taken out on her. Grace says Harold forged her signature, making himself the sole beneficiary. That was his doing. I did not authorize that policy. You die He profits. He profits. What do you think he was up to? I think it's logical to conclude that he was planning on taking my life at some point. You potentially were going to be victim number three. He's a dangerous man. He needs to be behind bars. Did you kill both of your wives? Finally, in November of 2014. How did Tony die? Harold Hanthorne was arrested and charged by federal authorities with the first-degree murder of Tony. And justice for Tony could bring justice for Lynn Hanthorne. She didn't deserve to be crushed under a jeep out here. As a judge ruled, the circumstances surrounding Lynn's death can be presented at his trial for Tony's murder. It will strengthen the case enormously for Tony to have Lynn's case added in. And in September 2015, three years after Tony's death, Harold Henthorne's trial for her murder began. Going into this trial, I'm really thinking this is a toss-up. You have no eyewitnesses. There's no confession. So you're wondering if there's one holdout juror, if one person doesn't buy circumstantial evidence, can the government really sell this case? Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. 
Join me, 48 Hours Correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the secrets within families, cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved. Enjoy My Life of Crime on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on Wondery Plus. I'm going to step off here, show you the scene in front of the federal courthouse right now. National and local media gathering. They're waiting for the families. There's a lot of interest in Denver and frankly around the world in this trial. They're interested in justice. Because the circumstances are so unusual. A husband whose two wives die in these freak accidents. The federal judge in the case told prospective jurors this trial, quote, will be a doozy. Did you kill both of your wives? The murder trial of Harold Henthorne, where cameras were not allowed, begins with the prosecution laying out its circumstantial case. They portray Harold Henthorne as an abject liar who's lied about everything in his life. They say that he stood to make about $4.7 million in life insurance if Tony Henthorne died. See your mom's doing okay? Precious mom. <laughs> Henthorne's defense attorney stands up and says, my client's a very unusual, quirky guy, and he has lied, but that doesn't necessarily make him a killer. I just remember the defense attorney saying, I don't have to prove anything. Juror Don Roberts. This is up to them to prove. The prosecution set out to do just that, using drone footage, video, and photographs documenting the couple's ascent along the mountain trail they believe became a murder scene. And they were able to establish a pattern of him visiting that same area because his phone, when he would text or call, was hitting the same exact tower. Juror Mark C. Miller-Zahn says the FBI presented evidence using Henthorne's cell phone records to show he made repeated scouting trips. And how many times did he visit that area? Nine times. And what does that tell you? It tells me he's planning. Also compelling to jurors, was that 911 call. Give two more regular breaths and then pump 30 more times. That's exactly what I've been doing. And how evidence didn't seem to support the efforts Harold claims he made after climbing down the mountain to revive Tony, including mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. And her lipstick was still on, so you'd know that would be impossible. And there was the testimony of Barry Bertolet, Tony's brother, who is a doctor, about the texts he received from Harold. At one point, she's slow heart rate. At another point, she's fast heart rate. Well, which is it? There was also this powerful piece of evidence, that map taken from Harold's Jeep, where he had drawn an X at the very spot where Tony had fallen to her death. Longtime friend Daniel Jarvis testified how Harold told him at Tony's funeral that the map had been made for him. It wasn't made for me. I believe it was made for that time. And he put an X on there. So, yes. so what do you think this all adds up to? I think he planned. 
to go out there and have nobody around. And do what? And push Tony off a cliff. It was like, okay, um, he's trying to hide something. Juror Jerry Taboda. And trying to get Mr. Jarvis to be on his side of the story. Another point of drama came when the prosecution presented evidence that Harold may have stolen a precious item from his dead wife's body. After Tony Henthorne's fall, they find her wedding ring on her finger, her hand not severely damaged, but the diamond is missing from the wedding ring. And it's worth about $30,000, according to Harold. And that area was scoured, right? Scoured. Investigators combed through that area. And so it was a real mystery. Where did the diamond go? But eight months later, an investigator returning to the scene suddenly found the diamond suspiciously sitting on the ground in plain sight. During the investigation, Harold Henthorne got a lot of pressure from the FBI about that diamond. And it got to him. The prosecution believes Harold Henthorne put the diamond back. And there was that information allowed about the unusual way Harold's first wife, Lynn, died, crushed under that Jeep. Once we learned more about Lynn's death and the circumstances of her death, then it started coming together for me that there were very many similarities in the two cases. Pattern of behavior. Pattern of behavior. There was only one person these jurors now wanted to hear from, someone they felt had some explaining to do. I wanted to hear from Harold. I would have loved to see him get on the stand and give another account to the jury of what happened that night. Yeah, and it didn't happen. In fact, Harold's defense attorney rested his case without calling a single witness. Confident jurors would see Tony's death as an accident. Tony's brother, Barry, looked over at Harold. What did you see on his face? It was a defiant look. It was like, you know, it was one of these, come and get me. And I hope we did. The jury began its deliberation. We're all somewhat anxious and waiting the decision if there's a hung jury. Gathered together for the wait is not just Tony's family, but Lynn's as well. We hope to be able to have a celebratory dinner tonight together. So we're just praying that the jury will come back and uh, get a quick verdict. After 10 hours of deliberation, the jury took a vote. Our foreperson said who's for guilty, and every hand in the room went up. Every hand? Every hand, quickly. Harold Henthorne was convicted of first-degree murder. After the trial officially ended, in all the years I've been doing this, I've never seen that before. What happens? I went and hugged Yvonne, the mother of Tony, and just whispered in her ear, no mom should ever go through what you've gone through. She just said, as one mom to another, I feel your pain. While the verdict means justice for the Bertolets, Barry's mind still wanders back to that time he saved Harold from a certain heart attack. The man he now knows went on to kill his sister. You know, I think as a physician, you know, you have this oath and this obligation 
to do that. But I'd like to have my sister back. Barry is not alone in regrets. Lynn's family has its own. We grieve for the Bertolais. <laughs> because had we come forward at that time with, uh, with more suspicions, then maybe Tony would be alive today. One tragic connection they share is the fact that Harold spread Tony and Lynn's ashes 17 years apart at the same spot. And I'm glad that we're here with you, little girl. Now, young Haley Henthorne is the focus of attention. She is slowly learning details about her mother's death. Your mama was about my height, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah, she was about 5'4". People in Mississippi don't get to see mountains that much. Barry and Paula work through the courts to bring Haley as their ward to Mississippi, the place her mother considered home. Where might she end up? Hopefully right there. <laughs> Hopefully right there. You'd like to adopt her? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited about you coming. And that she can be in a place where she's loved by family and grow up in an environment where everybody knew her mom as intelligent, smart, as a hero. I want her to know who her mom really was. Wow! <laughs> That's awesome! Good job! If you like 48 Hours, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. I'm CBS News correspondent Major Garrett, host of the podcast Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. During the Cold War, FBI agent Robert Hansen traded classified secrets to the Kremlin in exchange for cash and jewels. In the podcast, you'll hear from Hansen's closest friends, family members, victims, and colleagues for the most comprehensive telling of who Robert Hansen really was. Binge the entire series now. Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen is available on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.